Welcome to True Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to the Word of God, which always leads to God. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Robert. So as we approach 200 podcasts on the Bible, what would you say is the percentage of stories that we have covered with the percentage yet left to cover? Oh, man. Ooh. Um, percentage of stories? <laughs> um, Obviously, we haven't only focused on stories. We've done um, specific instructions. We've done um, proverbs. Uh, we've gone into Psalm 119, but we're just, I just want to focus on stories. Right. If you, if you take the total stories that the Bible ever covers, and you take what percentage of them have we done when we've been focused on stories? Oh, man. Um, 1%. I'm not sure I know the percentage. I would, I would have to assume... Ooh... I don't know, and, and I'll tell you why. Why it's a hard. Uh, I you know I don't even think if I if I had enough time for the next episode I'd be able to to say that. Here's the deal. Let's let's look at it. Let me explain my non-answer by looking at um, the parables. Right when you go through the Gospels and you look at some of the parables, you know Jesus does parables that are like two sentences. Or, like, think about all the times the kingdom of heaven is it's like, like a man who yeah. da-da-da-da-da. Yep. And then he goes out to a totally new one. So there are stories in the Bible that are like that. Like, we happen to have done the prayer of Jabez, but we did that one because, like, people kind of know that that one is out there, and so we could kind of, it's easy enough to do a two-verse story because people know something about it and may not know what you're, else you're trying to share about it. We we pass by a lot of stories like that where some of the judges. I was looking at them the last time when we talked, and I was thinking about our our podcast. There's there's there are judges stories that are two verses long. Right. Um, right. I would I would say if you look through all of the stories that we know, um, we also have other stories like think about stories we've done, but we haven't done nearly the complete part of it. Think about how much of Absalom we have not done, even Oof. though I think we did episodes on Absalom. Right. Um, think about the very many stories of David that we did not do. In fact, today we're going to do an interesting story on Samuel um, that is not a common one. So I'm not sure I know the answer to that. I, I would say it's less than half, for sure. Um, interesting. I'd say it's less than half, for sure. And that and that's probably less than half of the traditional areas that people think are stored. Okay. So what is our theme verse, then? Our theme verse is Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Excellent. Uh, so I believe it is, I have actually lost track, but I believe it's my turn to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you uh, through Bible study. 
Uh, we pray for the topic at hand that we will gain new understanding. And even as we explain it to others, that we're basically explaining it to ourselves and your Holy Spirit is guiding us through it. Be with us as we progress on. Amen. Amen. All right. So what is the topic for today? Let's go to hmm. let's go to First Samuel chapter seven. You know this this issue of stories. This this issue of stories is tricky because. Um, there are times where we do stories again, like, you know, we did the story of Cain twice and enough time had passed between that for whatever reason, I hadn't checked off where I had done it before, but we caught the story from a slightly different angle. And I didn't realize we had them in there twice until I was cross-referencing something else and came across it. I was like, how we managed to do that story a second time? And it didn't even click. Um, because the stories in the scripture are rich, more so than we usually appreciate, even the very supposedly straightforward stories. And I think that um, that's a testament to being able to go over and over the same places in scripture and learn something new. Right. Each time. Each time. All right. So... We're going to do First um, Samuel chapter 7. We're going to do the whole thing. The first two verses that you read are a, um, what are they? They kind of, they're an epilogue. They wrap up the piece of the story where the Philistines have returned the Ark of the Lord. Remember, they ended up at Beth Shemesh. The people tried to look in it. A bunch of people were smitten. So now the first two verses in chapter 7 of First Samuel are going to indicate the disposition of the ark at that time. Right. All right. First Samuel seven. And the men of Kerjath Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it unto the house of Abinadab in the hill, and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kerjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Twenty years. Um, you see, you see now how sometimes the Bible records time and then tells you what it is. The time was long, twenty years. I want you to be careful with that phraseology. You need to make sure that when you're trying to understand a passage, you know, somewhere else you may see that the time was long, you want to understand that passage, make sure you're dealing with similar eras. And the example that I'll give, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. And in the first part of Genesis, up to chapter 12, really chapter through chapter 11, we see that the age of man was long, Okay. Pre-flood, folks were living up to seven, eight, 800, 900. You got, you know, one example of 777 with Lamech. And then 
post flood, the ages precipitously come down from the six hundred, you know, nine fifty with Jonah. I'm not Jonah. Noah, nine fifty with Noah. Shem, his son, six hundred, and then we, you know, we plunge down into the into lower numbers. And it's the same Moses who later writes that Abraham lived a, to a good old age, good ripe old age of 175, mm-hmm. right? Make sure when you're trying to use passages to, to understand other passages, make sure that you're mapping them across similar time frames, similar eras of existence, because otherwise you look at a thing that says a good old uh, good, or was it? What was the phrase? The time was long, and you conclude something that that is not accurate. So be careful with that. Mm. Okay. All right. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, "If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Asheroth from among you." And prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Belium and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Mm-hmm. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, pause a second. What's really interesting about this passage, there's several things that stand out. One is, right at the beginning, we started with the men of Kirjath-Jerim. That is a very valiant group, and they factor into a lot of valiant things in the book of of, um, Samuel. Uh, They... They're the group that comes up and, and takes um, Saul's and Jonathan's body at the end of that time period. That, that's, that family is valiant, that, that group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one. Um, and you see, they're focused on spiritual things. Like, you don't have to tell them twice. Something happened that was an issue. They went up and, and did what was needful, both in the realm of physical needs and in the realm of spiritual. So that's something to look forward uh, look at, right? When God names particular families, you should see where else they, they show up. The next thing is, Samuel appeals to these people that their situation is one of a rebellion and tells them they, they need to repent. And they do put away, they do repent and yeah. serve the Lord's own. Yeah, I saw that. Right? And then when, when they hear, when the Philistines hear that they've gathered together, because rumors travel and when all of the men folk move from where they are throughout all the land of Israel and come to one place for essentially a, a spiritual convocation, then the, the prevailing nations 
with spies in the land, et cetera, become aware of this. And this is a time to engage them right. because they're all together, but they're not prepared for war. And the people don't panic. They appeal to Samuel to continue to pray for them. Keep praying. Keep praying. Right. And and they said it with faith that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. So Yes. All right. Verse 9. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, that they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Mm -hmm. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now that's important to understand the phrase there. Ebenezer means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Right. The Lord is our helper. Right? So because he prayed and the Lord interceded and they won a victory, he takes he takes a stone, a memorial, and sets it between where they were, Mizpah and Shen, not sure where Shen plays into this, but um, he picked a spot that was that was important for this discussion and he called the name of that place and, and really of the rock Ebenezer. Right. Right? So they, these guys always made memorials. That's an important lesson for us. When we have been delivered by God in some way, we ought to make a memorial of that. We ought to put something there that reminds us every time we see that that it was God that delivered us. Mm -hmm. Think of how many times our faith would be strengthened if when we had a victory, we memorialized that victory in the name of God. Okay. All right. Verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. <laughs> and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even unto Gath. And the coast mm -hmm. thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between, the, between Israel and the Amorites. So you see that the effect of this situation was that a nation that was fighting them stopped fighting them, A. B, retreated from their coast. C, returned possessions they had won previously. And B, another nation unrelated stopped getting into fights with them. Yeah. Even attained a better relationship with them, right? Not just ceasefire. The one group had a ceasefire and the other group had, had um, peace. Right. Yeah, very good. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel 
and Gilgal and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. Mm -hmm. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Okay. Now, if we were to ask the Bible question, if we were to say, what was what was Samuel's circuit? What would the proper answer be? Well, it would have to be Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and Ramah. Amen. This is another example where the Bible provides you the information in a way, a lot of times when people are trying to answer story, um, questions and stuff from the Bible, they want the Bible in one verse to say the whole answer to them. So there are many people who would say, oh, but it says circuit, Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And then it says, and his return mm -hmm. was to Ramah, for there was his house. That means it's also his start. Okay? So, <laughs> so what you come away with now is he starts in Ramah, and his circuit is Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, back to Ramah. Right. That's the circuit. Right? And so when we're, when we're answering questions in the Bible, when we're looking at the Bible for answers on standards, on doctrine, on general information, we need to look at contextually other verses, neighboring verses, so we understand the nature of the question. His circuit obviously starts at home and goes through these other places where he does not live and comes back home. That's the full circle. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for that answer. But yeah, that's, um, I encourage folks, when you study, understand that that's how answers are going to be sometimes with the clause verses. And in this case, it was conveniently in the very next verse. Right. That could have been four verses away. Yeah, it's important we read all the way through so we get all the information. Mm -hmm. now, now, how does that tie in? This is sort of an aside, but it is crucial. How does that tie in to reading a verse and studying a verse? Is does that does that disrupt that idea? Oh, just meditating on a single verse, right? Because we might get the wrong connotation or the wrong information if we're not reading subsequent or previous verses to tie in the whole theme or the topic of that particular verse. Um, I think it's important. I don't think you can ever give a context in the scripture, but I do believe, I do believe, um, that there are times, I do believe that there are times where you can isolate a small verse in spite of everything surrounding it, and focus on that and learn a lesson for that. I'm going to see if that is true. If there's something in here we can we can um, look for, like verse two. Verse two: the time was long for it was twenty years. That you you know you can kind of snatch that little bit of info out from that passage, independent of everything else going around it. Right. Yep. So it, you could focus on verse two and come away with it. I think you always have to look at the context and make sure 
that the conclusion you come to when you've decided to isolate on a verse is not invalidated by the very next verse or, or any surrounding context of that verse. So I would say that it's not a given that you can say at any chapter in the Bible, you can just focus on a verse to the exclusion of the rest of the passage and be okay. I don't think you can say that universally. I think that sometimes you're either going to have situations like where with Paul, when you're reading Paul's writings, among others, but Paul especially, Paul's sentences almost never fit in one verse. They're always two or three or four verses long. Uh, that's, right? that's a good point, yeah. So, okay, you can pick a verse, but that verse might not be a whole sentence, and you might be in the part of the verse that gets contradicted when you get to the next verse. Right? Right. So, okay, then in other places, uh, you're going through Proverbs, there are plenty of verses that can be taken in isolation without any kind of difficulty. So you need to use the context of where you are in the scripture to know whether or not that's a valid premise. But I think that the simplest answer is make sure that when you come out of verse X, that X minus one and X plus one did not cause you to have a different view of what you just felt X said. Hmm, good point. All right. Thank you. So this well, was First Samuel 7. First Samuel chapter 7. And Samuel judges Israel. Samuel judges Israel. Mm -hmm. All right. Care to pray us out? Okay. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to study it and learn from it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, insight, and was instrumental in inspiring folks to write it and also serves to help us understand it when we hear it and read it. Lord, bless us. Help us to know how we ought to interpret your word, to apply the right principles when we go to do that, not to just put our stamp on things that we see there, but to listen for what you would have us to learn. Please be with all of our hearers. Help us as we endeavor to minister in this way. Please bless us. Bless this ministry. And may it prosper in your name. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, we thank you for uh, joining us for this podcast. If you want to get to previous episodes, please go to truewisdom.buzzsprout.com. If you'd like to reach out and connect with us, uh, tell us what you like, don't like. Uh, if you have some questions about a topic, uh, you want us to cover something, you can reach us at info at truewisdom.info as well as on Twitter, truewisdom underscore pod. Hey, if, if you wanted more meat to topics that are covered, Andrew has an additional podcast where he goes over many of the same topics, but also touches on other things that we may not have discussed. And you can find his podcast at? At biblestudy.aspzone.com. The title of this podcast is Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. We're on the same Buzzsprout platform, and we can be reached on all the same um, podcasting platforms like Google, Spotify, Amazon, etc. Excellent. As always, we thank you for listening, and we pray you will be blessed.